Our guest today is CJ Rosenbaum from Amazon Sellers Lawyer. Hi, CJ. How are you doing? Hey, Megal. Hey, Margaret. How are you? Thank you for having me on the first Wednesday webinar. I can't be more excited about talking to sellers and trying to make sure that they avoid suspensions at all costs. Okay, so CJ, what we want to talk about today is, um, you know, suspensions and uh, listing suspensions and account suspensions and all the kinds of issues that sellers have, especially during Q4. And of course, this is going to be a huge Q4 and a lot of, you know, uh, we're expecting a lot of action. So the last thing sellers want is to get suspended. So we want your advice on, you know, what, what sellers can do to prepare for Q4 so that they are not suspended or they don't face any issues. So first of all, you know, what are some of the common reasons or issues that you're seeing sellers face nowadays in relation to, you know, listing suspension, account suspension, or other kinds of issues that you deal with? All right. Well, always, always inauthentic has always been the number one cause of listing suspensions, the number one cause of account suspensions. But with Q4 coinciding with the COVID pandemic, we are seeing a huge explosion of intellectual property right complaints going out there because every brand, every brick and mortar business is absolutely sucking wind and hemorrhaging money. So what they're doing is they're trying to kill the individual sellers selling genuine products. So while inauthentics are still a big deal, the IP complaints, Amazon's own suspected IP complaints, and this new thing that we saw from about a year or so now, but now it's just insane, maybe inauthentics, are just off the charts. And sellers are getting their legs cut off faster than ever. But we're also seeing really, really quick reinstatements. So Q4 coinciding with the COVID pandemic, IP complaints are absolutely off the charts right now. Oh, Mark, you're muted. So I'm trying to keep the dog quiet because I've got nobody in mind the dog today. <laughs> yes, yeah, CJ, what do you think sellers can do uh, to prevent their account suspensions in Q4? What's the best thing or the you know thing you can try and to do the best, I suppose? Well, I think there's really two things you need to do in advance. One, make sure you're keeping your documents. I mean, this is like Amazon selling 101. Keep your invoices, keep your receipts. But I think what you need to do now, since we know that the brands are coming after you like a, like a pack of wild dogs, okay, don't just keep your invoices, but in advance, try and do the research now so that you can link your source of products all the way back to the manufacturer in advance. So in any time, any day, any time, you get an inauthentic, you get an IP complaint, you can not only show your invoices, but that vital link all the way back to the brand, to the manufacturer. And I would also start planning for 2021. What we're seeing now with Q4 and COVID is the importance of getting your own products. And Megla did not ask me to promote this at all. But, <laughs> but what we're seeing with brands and small brands, large brands, private label brands, enforcing their IP rights stronger than ever. You need to develop your own brand. Start thinking about it now, because that can also help you if you get suspended, where you're arguing that as soon as 2021 hits, you're going to go to India and source products, and you already have a plan to develop your own brand. So those three things, documents, 
the research to link your source back to the manufacturer and start planning for your private label brand right now so that if needed, you can include that into a plan of action into your long-term changes for your business. So talking about documentation, what specific types of documents should sellers uh, prepare? I mean, you said, you said invoices, but can you give a little bit more uh, details? Holy cow, I can talk for hours about invoices. <laughs> okay, I've done presentations an hour and a half long just on invoices. So what you wanna make sure is everything on your side of the invoice matches everything or as much as possible to your Amazon account name, address, email, phone number, everything you can make match, make it match. On the sources side of the invoice, you wanna make sure that everything on their side of the invoice can be verified, that if someone in India, Google Earths, right? A guy working at Amazon, Google Earths, that address, they're gonna see a commercial establishment. And you can double check that yourself. You wanna get sources, that will answer the phone call. Amazon is making more calls than ever to do two things, to verify your source. And also we know Amazon is selling more and more and more products itself. And where do they get products from? From your sources. So I would do in advance, make sure you have that stuff lined up. And if your source will not pick up a phone, okay, from Jeff Bezos' team, source someplace else. Right. CJ, yeah, just um, preparing a plan of action, what are the best practices for doing that? Okay, the number one best practice, and you don't have to be Shakespeare to write a plan of action. Uh, the number one thing you need to do is have a structure that Amazon's looking for. Uh, there's an old Cajun saying that says, uh, it, it's easy to ride the horse in the direction that it's already going. So Amazon staff, and this was confirmed in the last trip to India for the India sourcing trip, where I went to, I went to Hyderabad and I met with about 40 different <laughs> Amazon members and they're looking for the same structure. Root cause, why is Amazon or the consumer having an issue with you? Number two, your second section, what did you immediately do to try and fix the problem or make the consumer happy? And number three, what are the long-term changes to your business that you're going to make so that Amazon staff can rest assured that they will not have the same problem with you, which is why I am constantly pitching to sellers, start developing your private label brand now, even if it's not in your future, in your near-term future, because then you can argue it to Amazon. You can argue, I've already applied to the IP Accelerator program. I've already applied for this mark. I've already started looking at sources in India, in China, in Vietnam to have my product. So start now that you have these arguments at your disposal. But the number one thing and I'm droning on is plan of action is structure, root cause, immediate corrective action, and long-term changes to your business. That's the structure every single plan of action should have. Okay. Well, I mean, I, you, you did or your firm did a plan of action for me because I got suspended for oh, nothing that I did wrong. But anyway, um, and honestly, I don't think I could do it anywhere near as well as you did. I would have been still going back and forwards, I think, to get it right. I mean, I just felt that um, there was a lot more involved in it than I actually thought. It wasn't just a couple of sentences. It was a couple of pages long. So, um, you know, I think if people are getting stuck and getting rejected a couple of times, um, it's well worth getting it done properly than just 
you know, I think I, I could have made it worse by saying the wrong things and I, that was what I was nervous of and it was well worth um, having it done professionally. Hey, thank you very much. Now, as a law firm, everything, everybody tells us, whether they hire us or not, is confidential. So I never would have revealed that we helped you out. Right. Um, so thank you <laughs> very right. much. Listen, we're, we're the world's best because I have the world's best team, not because of me. But we have an incredible people on our team. We're up to, I think, 35 people strong now. Nobody without a college education works on plans of action. Every plan of action is reviewed uh, by an attorney managing that particular team of paralegals. And we are the most successful, the world's best, because we just have a great team. And it's amazing, CJ. So I think the first time you and I talked was maybe in 2016. I think you were just starting out or maybe just 2017. I can't remember exactly. But I had just, uh, you know, we had launched Global Sources Summit and I was looking for speakers and I think we had connected somehow. And we were on the phone and you told me, hey, you know what? Third party sellers can take Amazon to court. And I was like, what? No, that's not possible. What is, what is this guy saying? Who is this guy? <laughs> and then, yeah, I've just seen your team grow so fast. You've just helped so many sellers along the way. So it's, it's I mean, amazing. It's um, cool. We, we keep track of how many jobs we save. And what we do is every time a seller contacts us, we ask how many people rely upon this account for their livelihood, how many employees. And we're like in the tens of thousands of jobs that my team has saved. So to my team, if you're watching this, absolutely awesome. Because, you know, saving someone's livelihood, that really is important. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, this error 5665 that a lot of new sellers are seeing when they try to list a product and they're uh, required to apply for exemption and they, they have to like jump through hoops and you know to prove that they really own their brand. So what do you think is happening over here? Do you think Amazon's intention is to really make it compulsory to have brand registry uh, to list you know someone's first product? And do you think in the future they will suppress listings or, you know, give, give, will they give notice of this in the future? What's going on with this, uh, you know, brand, this error that, that people are face, uh, seeing? Well, I'm not sure if they're going to make, if, if it is going to make it compulsory or not, but I think they, that Amazon certainly makes it incredibly advantageous to do it. And I sent you their policies, like those three super broadly worded sentences with the whole policy on this. So a couple of things. One, you should absolutely get brand registry. There's no reason if you have your own brand to not do it. It gives you so many tools to protect your sales. Uh, my partner, Rob Siegel, has developed a whole area of practice protecting private label sellers from hijackers, brand protection for sellers. Um, so there's no reason not to do it. It makes it easier to monitor your listing. It gives you control over the listing for the most part. It gives you the ability to contact other sellers who might be selling counterfeit products of yours. So is it going to be compulsory? I don't know. Um, overall, I think it's Amazon just trying to take more steps to protect its consumers from counterfeit products, or at least to sort of have that persona of protecting the consumer when Amazon Amazon really protects itself first, okay? Thousand percent, thousand percent. Uh, but I think, I think it's a great idea. I don't think it'll be compulsory, but it will be manipulated that everybody should do it, which I think they should do anyway. Right. Okay. 
We're right. Yeah, look, uh, CJ, to help sort of, I suppose, mainly new sellers understand how trademark works and if you go like through the USPDO, how long it takes and the process compared to now the new Amazon Accelerator program, um, it'll just, I think, might encourage people to take the quick route. <laughs> okay, so, so here's the deal. Um, in order to have protection for your mark in the United States, you get it as soon as you create it, but you can't really enforce it without applying to the USPTO for a trademark. It takes roughly nine months, sometimes a bit sooner, sometimes a bit longer if there's what's called an office action or some objection to it. Um, so that's going to the USPTO directly and everyone has the capability to do it yourself. We used to do it as part of our practice and we stopped a thousand percent when Amazon created the IP Accelerator program. So what is it? Amazon created this IP Accelerator program and solicited lawyers to join the program. And you can then go through any one of Amazon's approved law firms. There are some very fine law firms out there. The, applic the application is a piece of cake anyway. So you use one of the law firms that's in bed with Amazon. And within a week or so of applying for the trademark, Amazon will give you brand registry and all the benefits as if the trademark has already been approved. So we don't do it anymore. Every single seller who creates a mark, we send them over to the IP Accelerator program. Yes, the lawyers are in bed with Amazon. Yes, they're charging you more than other lawyers really ever did to apply for a trademark. But the value of getting brand registry practically immediately is invaluable. It, it's priceless. So everybody should start doing it. Develop a logo, a brand, an ID, and then get it through IP Accelerator program and then get into brand registry. Also, don't forget, get insurance because you are responsible for that product. And there's been a couple of cases in California, some cases in New York, where traditional product liability law is now being imposed upon the sellers, which was not very difficult to predict. So you want to make sure, use IP Accelerator program. And also, guys, just as long as insurance came up, you should also get a policy when it's still cheap. And for insurance, is it a good idea or a good practice to get insurance for any product that you do? Or is it specifically for, you know, like baby products or maybe topical kind of products? I would go with the most general. It's called errors and omissions policy. Get the most general errors and omissions policy that you can as soon as you can while your sales are low. And when you fill out the form, it's going to have the least information, which means your premium will be a lot less. Um, also, there's things called an umbrella policy. If you're a homeowner, you might be able to get an umbrella policy that might cover it. Um, Ashlyn can answer these questions a whole lot better than I can, but you should absolutely get it. Um, general errors and omissions should be sufficient, and it should cover just about everything. Um, and it covers not just if someone gets hurt or somebody's house burns down. It also provides lawyers to defend you which is a whole nother kettle of fish. You absolutely want an insurance company to pay for your legal defense. You don't want to write those checks yourself, not in the US. I think we should cover this topic as well, um, CJ, because you had uh, brought this up in, in your you know, suggested topics to cover. So related account suspensions, what's happening with that and what's the way around that? Okay, related accounts is a difficult suspension to come back from. Um, if you've identified where the connection is, because Amazon is rarely, if ever, crazy. It's usually a very harsh company, but they have almost always 
found something that links accounts. We call it related accounts. So you know what the link is. So I would suggest and that your plan of action admit to where that link is, your deep dive investigation. Use Amazon's language, you know, deep dive, blah, blah, blah. And identify and then argue how you are separate from them, although you're sourced from the same company. But they are difficult suspensions to win. We do win them, but they're not easy. Um, related accounts have been exploding ever since Amazon um, released the identification of sellers here in the United States. And it's not in the way that we predicted. Like we predicted that people, since they might have five accounts at the same address, that were going to get caught. We're not getting a lot of calls about those cases. But ever since sellers' IDs were disclosed, we are getting pummeled with related account suspensions for stupid things like changing your credit card, going from having the account in your name to an LLC, or from your personal name to a corporation, or just changing your credit card or your credit card expiring. And these things are resulting in related account suspensions. Uh, those aren't as difficult to win as when you do have more than one account, which I am not against. Just gotta be really careful. Uh, but they are difficult to come back and in your particular one use the same structure that we talked about for a plan of action but yours in your systemic changes to your business you want to identify in your root cause you want to identify exactly what you're telling us right now that the reason why amazon likely thinks the accounts are related is because you're sourcing from the same place and and see if that flies So just with credit cards, like obviously we all have to put in a new expiry date every couple of years. Is there a way we go about that? Why are, are people doing something wrong when they do that? Or is that just a simple, I've changed the date and they, they're going to ping me? You know, people must change their credit. You know, there's like 5 million sellers right now, okay? Mm -hmm. Among us, there are 5 million of you folks selling out there. So let's assume there are... I don't know, tens of thousands every single day or maybe even hundreds of thousands changing their credit cards. So I don't know how prolific the problem is because I only get the calls when, you know, when someone has a problem. No one calls the hey, man, I changed my credit card and it was just late. I'll bring you in at work Never. I only get the stressed out call. My account's down. All I did is change my credit card. So it's probably a minute problem. And I don't have a way to avoid it. I mean, credit card's expiring. You have to put a new one in. What I would say is if you're just starting out or you are changing your credit card for any reason, make it one with the longest expiration date possible. <laughs> the one that's going to last the longest. If you look at your card, right, and your Amex is expiring next month, no good. Get a new card and then load it up. So, CJ, there any ramifications from Amazon are revealing all the sellers' um, IDs and US addresses or Australian addresses that have just taken place in the last month and everyone's been panicking, changing addresses and post office boxes and all sorts of things. I've said if they want to fly to Australia and knock on my door, go for it. I've left it. <laughs> well, listen, a lot of listeners may not have been around when we went to the year 2000 and everyone thought every computer on earth was going to stop working right when the millennium hit and i know i was scanning stuff one page at a time and turning the clocks back so we expected it to be a huge problem when amazon revealed information we expected that to uh hit people getting caught with multiple accounts and it just didn't happen 
So what we are seeing is that sellers have a significantly, a significantly increased risk of IP complaints, intellectual property right complaints being delivered to their home and frightening you a little bit more than it just going through the account. There's certainly a little bit more risk if you sell a product and it hurts somebody or burns down somebody's home because now they know where you are and they could give you the legal papers really easily. All these things could have been done anyway because if someone gets sued in court and they don't know who you are, they just go to the judge and say, we don't know who they are. Can we serve them through Amazon system? And the courts routinely say yes. So I do think that this whole thing with the credit cards and changing things is part of the revelation process, maybe, but we have not really seen anything bad happen yet, but you're certainly a bit more exposed. You have a few less layers of protection between brands coming after you and people and companies coming after you because now they just know who you are and where you are. CJ, what sort of strengths do sellers have that they might not know about? <laughs> All right, this is like, my favorite part, okay, because <laughs> I'm like, I was like a, you know, before doing this, I was a personal injury lawyer, ambulance chase, I don't care what you call me. <laughs> I was in court every day for people hurt in car accidents and trip and falls and hurt by bad products. So uh, I'm a fighter and I look for strengths. So here are what I call seller's powers, okay? If a brand makes a baseless intellectual property right complaint against you, don't sweat. They've probably opened the door for you to have claims against them. So you're going to have your invoices. You're going to have it tracked all the way back to the manufacturer. Then you say, hey, Brand, you owe me $10,000 because you made a baseless complaint against me. If they claimed you were selling counterfeit, you have a slam dunk defamation case against them. If they claim that your products were trademark infringement or some other issue, then you have interference with contract claims. So you have a lot of power against brands who make baseless IP complaints. Also, if you are outside the United States, okay, you're in Australia, you're in Singapore, you're in China, you are any place in the world other than the United States, and you're accused of violating somebody's copyright, you can send what's called a Digital Millennium Copyright Act counter notice. The Digital Millennium Copyright Act is the United States law that was created. And a counter notice is a document that you can send to anybody who makes a copyright complaint. It basically says, hey, sue me or else your complaint disappears. How many companies, especially smaller ones, are going to bother suing somebody in China or Australia when they can't collect anything from you? <laughs> so this is one of the powers that you have, that you are a little bit untouchable or harder to touch if you're outside the United States. So sellers' powers are pretty bold. You can stand up to baseless complaints against brands. You can also use counter notices, even if you're wrong, because if they don't sue you, it disappears. If they do sue you, then you're going to have to defend yourself. But these are just some of the powers that sellers have. Um, also, I don't want sellers to think I'm rushing you into court. Each of the legal claims can simply be used as leverage. I would never use the word threat. So I don't believe in threatening people unless you're going to follow through, but you could certainly use it as leverage. And we've done it. We have used it as leverage to negotiate resolutions, and we have also followed through. Anybody on this show, you can do a search 
of our formal name of our firm, Rosenbaum Famolaro, and this little team in America called the Dallas Cowboys. And they messed with the wrong seller, okay? And so we went after them. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty happy with the results. <laughs> so sellers, you have a lot of power. You're innovative. You can pivot. You have rights. You develop a private label brand. You can protect yourself just like the big guys. We do it every day for private label brands. So you have a ton, a ton of seller's power. Awesome. That is good to know. <laughs> um, CJ, what do you think about all of these black hat tactics that are you know, going on in Amazon? And recently there's this uh, news report also about um, you know, quite a few people <laughs> being served notices and somewhere in the U.S. and then somewhere in India as well and all of the you know, bribery that's going on and everything. What are your thoughts on what's going on and how can sellers protect themselves from all of that's happening out there? Okay, first of all, if you were involved with any of those three people and they worked on your account, um, you need to be very, very careful to make sure that either you didn't participate or if someone tried to do something great for you because they wanted to impress you, that could have been done without your knowledge. So first of all, if the FBI should reach out to speak with you, get a lawyer and never ever lie to the FBI. Lying to them is in itself a crime. So get a lawyer right away and always tell the truth to the FBI, uh, number one. In terms of the bribes and stuff, what I personally think, and I, I, I met Ed Rosenberg, I've worked with, I spoke at his events, I've met his wife, his parents, and his brother, and I, I personally like it. I don't like what he is accused of doing if it turns out to be true. I especially find it kind of disgusting if inside tactics were used to close people down. Like, I kind of get, you know, if someone wants to bribe somebody to help them, their own business and get their account back up, especially if it was closed for, for bullshit reasons, I'm sorry, for bullshit reasons, I kind of can understand that. But what I really find disgusting is paying people to shut down other people's livelihoods and put other people out of work. So that really rubs me the wrong way. Um, so those are my thoughts on it. If you didn't ask for it to be done for you and you think it has been, speak with a criminal defense lawyer. Just be prepared to be honest. Because I can also recognize that if any of those three people had a huge seller who needed help, they wanted to impress them, and they could do it by doing a, a bribe without the seller even knowing, you know, that might have been done. So um, it could have happened to your account without your knowledge, uh, but you certainly, if you get contacted by anybody, get yourself a criminal defense lawyer, get someone in Seattle. If you want to contact me, I can refer you to a couple of people. Um, but I guess that uh, I really find it awful that those types of things were done to put other people out of business. Right. So Amazon keeps saying that they are trying to keep these black hat tactics, you know, in check. And it's only a small percentage of people who are doing that, which is, of course, true. But do you see an increase in sort of black hat tactics and all happening recently? Or do you see, you know, the, the number of tactics and, you know, the number of uh, accounts being hacked reducing, you know, over the last few months? You know what, the only addition to, I'm gonna call it black hat tactics that we're seeing are the brands, that these corporate guys 
I think when you make a baseless counterfeit complaint, when you make a baseless trademark complaint, because you just don't know how to do it right on Amazon, you don't know how to protect your brand on Amazon, and then you make these baseless complaints that put sellers out of work, I think that's black hat. We've seen a dramatic increase in that. The other stuff with the listings, we really have not seen an increase. In fact, we've seen a decrease in that sort of stuff, except by brands. So brands, you're engaging in black hat tactics. And if you have a brand and you want to protect it the right way, the legitimate way, contact us and we'll talk you through it. Uh, but overall, we have not seen an increase in seller versus seller, dirty tricks or black hat tactics, just an increase in brands making baseless complaints against sellers. Right, that makes sense. So CJ, what are some interesting cases you've come across recently or, you know, bizarre or weird cases or complaints from sellers? <laughs> well, what we're seeing a lot, and you brought up dirty tactics against sellers, is that as, as sellers have matured, you know, the, the veterans on Amazon are like five years selling, 10 years max as a third party seller. So as more and more sellers develop successful businesses, they're less and less inclined to take shit and bad tactics from other sellers. So we have grown an entire litigation department for sellers to sue the brand or threaten the, not threaten, to use leverage against the brands, their baseless complaints. For sellers to go against other sellers, like, hey, we know it was you. We know what you're doing. You better stop or else. So the maturation of the businesses on Amazon is really, really cool. And we brought on someone that I've literally known since the fourth grade. We're friends now 30, I don't know, I guess 44 years, right? Um, his name is Neil Flynn, and he's a brilliant lawyer. He's one of these guys that got a perfect 1600 on his SATs, went to Columbia you know, on a full ride scholarship, but he's also like a street fighter type guy. And I've been begging him for years to join us. And he just joined us just solely to protect sellers' rights against other sellers and against big brands. So the fact that sellers have, have these now mature businesses that they're willing to fight to protect, to me, that is super cool. So that, that to me is like one of the most exciting things that we have. I think we got retained for like four different litigations in the last two weeks where sellers just like, I've had enough, go get them. So I think it's really cool that the business is maturing and all these different things, Amazon having higher standards with the EPA, getting prior label brands and all brands brand registered to control your listing. It's a maturation of the industry and it's a rising tide that will lift all sellers up. So that, that to me is one of the coolest things. Right. Okay, awesome. So CJ, do you want to tell people about your services and how they can contact you? Okay, um, I'm happy to. We are the world's greatest, greatest at writing plans of action and appeals, but it's not all that we do. We do brand protection for private label sellers, and as your brand grows, we grow with you. If another seller's screwing around with you or cost you damages, contact us. Uh, we also, again, as, as Amazon sellers' businesses have grown and matured, we also provide traditional legal services to Amazon sellers. You're hiring someone, you're afraid they're gonna steal your secrets and start competing with you, we can give you an NDA. It takes us about, I don't know, 46 seconds to give you a non-disclosure agreement. Um, you need to be careful about employee claims in the United States. 
wage and hour litigation is off the charts. Lawyers in the states are looking for people to sue because other areas have been devastated by the coronavirus. So plans of action and appeal, intellectual property right issues, which no one but a lawyer should be touching on either side, either defending you or protecting you, brand protection, you need to go after Amazon or another seller. We're here for you. And just, you know, I'm honored that, you know, Megla, you know, you invite me to speak at these things. We've grown with you. We've grown with the sellers. And if you have a need, we'll do everything we can bend over to help you get back to what you do best, which is selling by dealing with all the different problems, which is what we do best. Awesome. And the best way to contact your team is just via the website, right? AmazonSellersLawyer.com. AmazonSellersLawyer.com. And the top, top left is my email address, cj at AmazonSellersLawyer.com. Sellers is plural. Lawyer is singular. You can also call us on a toll-free number. I mean, I, I'm kind of old school. I, I use my phone a lot. I like talking to people. <laughs> so, uh, if you look at our reviews, I talk to people nights, weekends holidays um we pride ourselves on being here you're there 24 7 uh, so we try to be awesome margaret anything else before we let cj go <laughs> no i think that's been um main help for a lot of people there's so much to take in though and there's so much to learn about all this litigation and hijackers and everything else and brand registry and that pesticides it's going to keep you in business some more something else for you to work on cj is the pesticide all the people who are going to get closed down in the next month because they haven't got the right epa paperwork <laughs> well we're going to try to get you back in business as quickly as possible um, we've allocated our resources and our people uh, from certain teams into plans of action into dealing with ip issues uh, just so we can do a faster turnaround in q4 and especially in light of the covid crisis um, so we, we're here for you, AmazonSellersLawyer.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, CJ, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for staying up late. I know it's almost 11 p.m. <laughs> over there, uh, and you're tired. You've had a long day, long journey. So thank you so much, CJ, and we can't wait to meet you in India, hopefully next year. <laughs> I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get back to Australia. I can't wait to get back to India. That, that trip to Delhi to the trade show, I mean, it was just remarkable. The, the, the in, insanely high quality of the products, okay? I mean, just head and shoulders, higher quality than the products you see in China and no offense to the Chinese, okay? A lot of high quality stuff, but the, the artistry, the, the woodwork, the metal products, the paper products, the jewelry, I mean, just off the charts and a beautiful country to see. Right. Awesome. We'll see. We'll yeah. see you at the bar soon. Yeah, <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> we'll, we'll all hang out in the bar just for something different. <laughs> awesome. All right, CJ. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you around. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.